0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to another week here on the Foundry Church Podcast. We upload a new message every week, so if you want to be notified every time a new one is posted, make sure to subscribe. You can also keep up with us throughout the week by liking our Facebook page. With all that said, here's the next part in our series called Expecting. So our series is expecting, and I know this, that this past week was full of expectations, right? We were expecting guests to come over, or maybe we were expected to be somewhere. Maybe we had expectations over what would take place. I know some of us were probably excited out of our minds to get together with family we haven't seen in a while, and it was just this great moment to kind of get back together. Maybe your one of your kids was off at college, and they came home for the first time since August. You can look at them and see how they're doing. Uh, Maybe some of you were like, they're coming, and we're going to gear up for war, and we're going to survive. And the expectation maybe was a little tougher. I know this. As a little boy, one of my very favorite holidays was Thanksgiving. Uh, My granddad, one one Thanksgiving morning uh, in western Colorado, he went down unloaded the gun safe, put it in the back of a Ford Bronco, and said, come on, to which I was like, this is going to be awesome. And we took off to the desert, and we went out, and we were rabbit hunting, but we were never really lucky. What it turned into was a hat shoot. You would take your favorite hat or a hat, and you would throw it up, and any family member who had to get accounts right with you would take a crack at your ball cap, right? So it wasn't on your head. You threw it in the air, and we had a lot of fun, and this became a tradition where every year I was expecting to do it, and I loved, loved, loved that tradition, it became the expectation. When Halloween was over, I was, my, my heart was on Thanksgiving morning, and I didn't realize that it was actually something that happened because my brother, myself, and my cousins were, were tormenting my grandmother one Thanksgiving morning, and we we're like, when will it be ready? Oh, this is so great. Aren't you happy? Grandma, do you want to hear about the movie we watched yesterday? And finally she looked at Granddad and was like, get them out of here. And he took a, took a shooting, and it became our tradition, and the expectation for it just kind of grew exponentially every year. It was such fun, and you waited to get what was promised. Even though for us sometimes the promise wasn't spoken, we just knew we were going out on the desert Thanksgiving morning, and we are going to have some fun. When we look at the idea of expecting, you know, Expecting what does it mean for us as people when we're expecting when something's Well, maybe there's a promise of something that's going to come, and today we're going to look at, well, actually through the entire Christmas series, we're going to look at the sense of expectation and what it means to us and how we can prepare our lives for what's going on. We're going to use Isaiah chapter 9 as a springboard into our series and really hold it throughout because it speaks so much into the expectations that the Jewish people had for a Messiah and for the Messiah that you and I claim as Lord and Savior. So, real quick, Isaiah, the prophet, he ruled during the reign of King Ahaz, which was the most dark and despicable king in all of Judah. Ahaz closed the temples. He took part in child sacrifice. He was as bad as it gets, and out of that deep darkness, a voice of a prophet under the Holy Spirit's influence came out, and he was, he was writing down and speaking the word of the Lord, So 700 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah starts pinning his prophetic words from God. He starts putting them down on paper, and as he writes, these words emerge out of there. There are four messianic promises that take place in Isaiah chapter 9. Wonderful counselor is one of the things that God promises our Messiah will be. Everlasting Father, Mighty God, and Prince of Peace. Those are the, really the four names, the prophetic messianic promises of who this king, who this Messiah will be. And as we lean into it today, we need to remember that 700 years before the birth of Christ, the identity of the Messiah was revealed. And you can say, well, maybe they wrote those parts after Jesus was born. They have a, um, an actual intact scroll from the prophet, of I, the prophet Isaiah that was transferred onto the scroll 100 years before Christ was born. This... Is, is history to us. To them, it was prophecy. God was telling them what was to come. So I'm gonna invite you, you can follow along on the screen as we dive in to Isaiah chapter nine, verses one through seven. It says this, "'Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom "'for those who are in distress. "'In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun, "'the land of Naphtali, but in the future, "'he will honor Galilee of the nations "'by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan.'" The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the, in, deep, in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation. You have increased their joy. They rejoice before you like people do at the harvest, which I think for Thanksgiving is super fitting. Like literally, that's what it is. It's a time of harvest and we celebrate God's abundance. As warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke That burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will do this. So let's talk real quick about wonderful counselor. There's some language going on in wonderful counselor that plays in the Hebrew really well. Wonderful counselor is this majestic term and it actually means... So back in the day when you farmed, you had like oxen or mules and you put a yoke over them and they would pull the plows through the ground. So Wonderful Counselor actually has this sense of the weight of the government, the the bar that goes over and kind of hangs on people and gives them a burden to pull There's that language in here, and how many times did we see that in this? That, you know, that God would break the yoke off them, that God would break the rod of their oppressors. What God's saying is, He will be wonderful in His purpose. That's actually a translation of wonderful counselor. He'll be wonderful in His purpose, which makes us ask the question what are the purposes of God as revealed to us in Christ? And the purposes are our redemption. First and foremost, we're forgiven of our sins. We're redeemed from everything that separated us from God. And then... We are called according to his purposes for the glory of Jesus Christ. These lives that have been kind of a train wreck thus far become very purposeful. He's wonderful in his purpose, and he does this by counseling us. A counselor who guides and speaks truth, and sometimes a difficult word, but speaks truth into our life to call us according to his purposes. The wonderful counselor. That gives you a glimpse of what this means. But I think the question could be asked, what would that look like in the biblical narrative? How can we see the wonderful counselor at work in the biblical narrative? And is there an example of this that fits in the Christmas story? I think there is. In order to tell that story or in order to read that story, I need to give you some background. Four characters. Zachariah, who is a high priest in the Jewish worship system, living in Judea with his wife, um, Elizabeth, who is, they are well advanced in age. They are, they're older, okay? So we're gonna guess mid-80s, all right? And they've never had children, and they live in the Judean foothills. And then there's Mary. She's engaged to Joseph, kind of on the other end of the spectrum of life. Her and Joseph are planning a little life together. They're gonna be a carpenter, and she's gonna be a homemaker. And they're going to pay their taxes to Rome, stay out of trouble, and hopefully not go to bed hungry too often. They're going to be faithful Jews, and that's their future, right? But something happens. Zechariah is ministering in the temple, and the angel Gabriel comes to him and says, Zechariah, the Lord has heard your prayers, and you are going to be a dad. Okay, maybe the 85-year-old thing didn't catch you on that, but um, you're going to be a dad. Elizabeth, who has been barren, is going to give birth to a son, to which I think he has to be like, will you tell her because I'm kind of scared of how this is going to land, right? A little nervous, but he tells him this, and he he actually, uh, Zechariah is, he doubts. And the angel says, you will not speak a word until your son is born. Indeed, Elizabeth does become pregnant and... Stop about six months into the term of her pregnancy when the same angel, Gabriel, appears to a young virgin betrothed to Joseph in Nazareth. Her name is Mary. And he says to her, blessed are you among women, you who are highly favored. The Holy Spirit is gonna come on you in power and you are gonna conceive and you are going to give birth to a son and his name is to be Jesus. He will be Emmanuel, God with us. Mary, this young teenage girl, is like, wow, okay. May it be to me as you have said. Her faith is extraordinary. She she reaches out and grabs on, says, Okay, I'm your servant. I'll do what you say. May it be to me as you have said. And so Mary takes a journey. And she goes on a walk to see her aunt Elizabeth and uncle Zachariah in Judea, about 70 miles from Nazareth, and she takes this footpath down, and that's where we pick up our story. We find ourselves in Luke chapter 1, verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried down to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, you know, like hey, Elizabeth, I'm here. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb leapt. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Hold on to that phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God invaded her, like pouring water into something, like invaded her. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby inside of my womb began to leap for joy. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Like, no, hey, Mary, I didn't know you were coming. That, that is what is said, and I believe it points us to the perfect example of the wonderful counselor. There is no way Elizabeth knew that Mary was pregnant. There was no way that Elizabeth knew. And what happens in this, and I love this, it says this. When Elizabeth heard her greeting, the baby in her womb leapt, leapt, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. Anybody here have an older brother or sibling? Maybe, yeah. Anybody here ever go up to get a drink out of the hose in summertime, one of the few great culinary delights of childhood? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, good, not just me. And when you're getting a drink, you're like this, and your brother says, like, put it in your mouth. You're like, oh, okay, is that easier? And And then you're like, whoosh. And you find out how many places water can come out of the human face, right? Anybody else have that magical experience? It's so good. I look at this like that's how it had to be. For Elizabeth I remember one time Lincoln put the water to me one time and like I could see the streams shooting out my nostrils I was like oh I didn't know that could happen but sweet um, you know it just came, kind of rushed out of me I couldn't resist it when Elizabeth heard the sound of Mary's voice, the spirit of God for her it was like drinking out of a fire hose it had to come out and her words were not just like blessed are you among women who have to it says she screamed in a loud voice she had to say what the spirit was pouring into her she had to respond to who god was declaring and she couldn't keep quiet blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear kind of had to steal some thunder from mary to be like well i'm pregnant you know like how what would that be like and here's the weird thing elizabeth is well advanced in years and pregnant i think that should maybe be a headline Maybe Elizabeth's like, oh, Mary's here. I can't wait to tell her that you're having a baby. It's so kind of counterintuitive. It's so counterintuitive that what she sees is not the miracle growing in her. She sees what God is doing in Mary. By what? The wonderful counselor. The wonderful counselor who is speaking forth the wonderful purposes of God into Mary's life. And what we have in this is a moment where, can you imagine for Mary, how good that sounded? Now, I don't know about you, but I, when I drive somewhere, or I do something, or if I go for a run, which is more like a slow walk with heaving and gasping, um, but but when I do something like that, I chew on thoughts. Like my my head... Like I'm kind of a dangerous like runner. I need to be like on sidewalks because I'll just I'll run and I'll be thinking about something. Can you imagine for 70 some miles on the dusty path, Mary working over her story of how she's gonna tell Aunt Elizabeth and Uncle Zachariah, who is a priest in the in the Levitical priesthood and understands the law of Moses and the messianic promises, how she's gonna kind of untangle what God told her and explain it to them. And she probably had a story worked out in her head much like your story was worked out when you came home for a curfew about two hours late, right? She probably had worked up how she was gonna present this hoping they would hear and understand and suddenly a wonderful counselor declares to her through Elizabeth... Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you're going to bear. Whew. Thank goodness she knows about it too. I just don't know how. I can't imagine how good it would have felt to hear Elizabeth declaring back to Mary the thing that Mary had heard. She, in some way, had to be like, I knew it. I knew I didn't eat a bad piece of lamb and have a dream. This is real. This is real. And oftentimes we sanitize scripture to the point that we lose the humanity of God working in everyday ordinary people. Imagine with me what it was like for Joseph when his fiance comes to him and says, I'm pregnant, but don't worry, it's God's. Like that'd be hard, wouldn't it? It'd be hard. Imagine what it was like for Mary when Joseph says, babe, I know, he came to me in a dream. I'm with you. I believe, and we'll take the scorn and the shame of our community. How good that felt when the wonderful counselor worked in, jo- in Joseph's life to confirm in Mary what was going on. And then in Elizabeth, we see this happening again. Look at God being the wonderful counselor. Why? Because Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit Mary came to her with a burden and she was relieved of a thousand burdens when she heard the promises of God declared out of the mouth of someone who had no idea how much she needed to hear it. That is the wonderful counselor. That is the hope we have and that is what I wanna commission or call you towards as a church to learn to rely on the wonderful counselor in this holiday season because I know this it can help you through this season. Not just help you like you know uh, one of those military MRE meals can save you in the wilderness. I'm not talking survival, I'm talking thriving. I'm talking speaking life into deserts. I'm talking things that uh, maybe like my grandma saying, can you get them out of there, became a tradition I love so much. It can become something that breeds life into, into the family around you. It can be the thing that this season is about if we will listen and rely on the wonderful counselor. So let me ask you this. You don't have to respond. It's rhetorical. Who here is planning on visitors this Christmas season, either being one or receiving them? We're going to have visitors coming our way. We're going to have people not just in this church, but I'm talking in your homes. This is the time of year when maybe you're picking up the kids from mom and dads, and mom says, you look tired. Do you want to just stay for dinner? And you're like, so badly, I want to stay. And you end up staying around the dinner table and having conversation and being together where people maybe drop in. It's like pie and coffee season, which is kind of year-round for me. But, um, but for a lot of people, like you pop in, you have dessert, or you talk together, and you have visitors You get together a lot. There's a lot of family parties. What if we came to these events filled with the Spirit that is a wonderful counselor to our friends and loved ones? What if we brought to the conversation the winsome and laser-tight accuracy of the Holy Spirit in our conversations that speaks a word that will convict and transform, to speak a word that only the Spirit knows they need? Because let's be honest. We can mask it pretty good that we don't need to hear from God, but all of us find ourselves in seasons where we desperately need to hear from God. And all of us are called to rely on the Holy Spirit in such a way that we become people who carry the word of God forward. We speak words of wisdom that are well beyond our pay grade, so to speak, because the spirit of God puts them into us. We have to learn to rely on God for counsel. And that means you're seeking him. You are seeking him. It's why today when you leave, grab a devotion on your way out. Even if you're, if you're visiting or whatever the case is, if you're a regular attender, grab a devotion on your way out. Seek God in his word and in those devotions, in your prayer time, spend time and seek earnestly. Be willing to do more than the basics. See, I find a lot of times we're willing to do the basics, but we're not willing to really get into the mud and wrestle with some things and really seek God. I want to put a a face or a reality to seeking God. So join me in what I know has happened to you like it's happened to me. You're getting ready for Thanksgiving dinner, and you know that you were commissioned to bring green bean casserole. And so you go and you get the ingredients out because you're going to lay them out on the island before you have to make them the next day. And you look through and someone has eaten the French's fried onions. And you're like, I know who it is because they stunk yesterday. You know, and you're like, Josh, sorry, bud. And you're like, Josh, what would you do that for, you know? And, and he's like, I was just hungry and onions sounded good. And you're like, why? Why, right? Because without the onions, green bean casserole is the worst version of soup ever. Ever. So you're like, oh. You're just looking like, day before Thanksgiving. And you say those words. I'm going to Myers. (laughs) And off you go. You have to park at Mr. U. Over by McDonald's, cross 131, you get winged by a semi. Into the store, you stagger, bedraggled, wrecked in an emotional hollow corpse. You're like, I need French's. They take you to mustard, and you're like, never speak to me again. It's Thanksgiving, I need the onions. They take you, and there it is, right in the middle of the aisle, Oh, empty and picked over like a carcass on the savannah, and you're like, I'm going to 16th Street. So you go over, same thing happens. Next thing you know, you call and you're like, I'm going to family fair. It's been three hours. Don't back talk me. I'm on a mission. And you go dark like a Navy SEAL in Afghanistan. You are going to get your quarry. Into the store, you go, and they say, Well, we have these, and there's some janky off-brand fried onion. You're like, never give me that. I'm a purist. I need French's. You wind up in Dollar General in Caledonia. And you're standing there, tears salting down your face, weeping, saying words that make no sense, French is oh sweet onions, you grab more than you'll ever need. And you run out and then you come back in and you pay and you're like, please don't arrest me. You pay for it. And you get home and you hold it up like Simba. Ah, I present you the very thing we need. Have you ever done that? maybe not as hyperbolic, but you go on the hunt and you're gonna get that thing, that is seeking earnestly something that changes everything. We are to seek earnestly the spirit of God, his wisdom and his wonderful counsel to speak into lives the very wonders of the gospel and a call to new life. It's a call to new life. Seek him, seek him like you're desperate. Because I will tell you this, you're going to seek a lot of other things. You are going to get prepared for Christmas. Like, it's Christmas card season. And you will move heaven and earth to get that half a millisecond of your family going, right before you're like, wow, and you turn on each other, right? And you will get that picture and you'll mail it out and you'll make the right cookies that no one can eat unless they're a guest and you'll do all these different things that you will do, the right gift for the tough person to shop for, the one that actually makes the person who never laughs go, And you're like, oh, I did it. I have lived. And you're so happy. You'll do all these things, and you might just miss the one thing that actually matters. You might miss in your preparations for an appearingly perfect Christmas the very substance that makes Christmas. We were given a wonderful counselor, and Jesus doesn't want to play a part in Christmas He is Christmas. He is the one who speaks a word into the lives of those we love. So let me ask you, do you have a loved one in your life who needs to hear a word from God and you and I both know we are too ignorant to come up with it? So what if we just seek him? What if we just seek him and ask God to speak a word we need to hear? Speak a word they need to hear. What if we're courageous enough to when God tells us to say something, we'll say it, but it makes no sense. You may think, Eric, you don't understand. No, maybe I don't, but I'll tell you this. Elizabeth sure did because her 15-year-old niece walked in from a long walk, and she declared her pregnant before hugging her, before showing. Right? She declared her pregnant. That, that's speaking a word that only God could know. What if we took some time this holiday season and we spoke the winsome, magnetic, wonderful language of the Spirit of God, which always does one thing. It reveals Jesus Christ and it draws people near to Jesus Christ. It transforms us from our old broken selves into a wonderful new self. How great is it to know that the wonderful purposes of God are held firmly in your life? You're filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't tell me you can't. We already know that. Let's do it on his terms, not ours. Let's speak as he gives us the words. Let's be a people who bring encouragement to those who really need it, not by our own power, not by our own intuition, but by his spirit. Remember in the series Short and Sweet, you should, it was last week, um, but the book of Jude, and they talked about how these people lived by their instincts, and instincts can mask a lot of things, but in the end, our instincts are always going to be wrong in spiritual matters. We have to depend not on our instincts, but on the Spirit of God to move and to speak, to convict and to call, to transform and to work. Don't rely on you. Turn and seek after him earnestly. Seek the power of God to speak the right words, to challenge the right people, to encourage and bless those who are in your life, because guess what? They're coming to your house, or you're going to theirs. You're going to be at company Christmas parties. You're going to be at family Christmas parties. You're going to be surrounded by people who are screaming on the inside, I just need someone to tell me this matters, that, that God is calling me, and you're going to go up and say, I just want you to know that... God does love you, and he has a purpose for your life. And then they're going to start crying, and you're going to run for the green bean casserole because you don't know what to do, but it's the wonderful counselor speaking through you. Will you seek him? Because I will tell you this, church, God is speaking. It is not a silent age that we live in. The Spirit of God is moving and speaking. The problem is we are tone deaf. We are so occupied with everything around us and the preparations for the appearance of a perfect Christmas that we miss the wonderful counsel of the one who gave us Christmas. I invite you to just hold on to this little phrase. You have a wonderful counselor. You have someone who has a wonderful purpose in mind for you. And it will break the yoke, the bar of slavery, to addiction, to brokenness, to lies, to shattered relationships. He will break the yoke of those things off of you and set you free under the counsel of his purposes. Amen? May we, the church, tuck this little nugget in our heart that 700 years before Jesus came, Isaiah declared one of the things they will call him is Wonderful Counselor. And you are of a blessed generation that you know this to be true today. It's not in the future, it's present. May the Spirit of God dwell mightily in his church. Lord Jesus Christ, it is, it is hard to fathom that a holy God such as you would, would deem us worthy of salvation but God, thank you that you decided eternity was too long without us. So you sent yourself and in the person of Christ, you became our wonderful counselor. And you, de- you declared wonderful purposes for such broken shells of humanity as us. And you promised that you would never leave us and you'd never let us go, that you would give us the person of Christ and Christ gave us the Holy Spirit. So today we ask, Holy Spirit, come and be for us the one who reveals the wonderful purposes of God, the one who reveals into our lives the counsel of God that we may speak forward into the world and our words would be like seeds in soil. They would erupt with new life and the world around us would come and draw near to him who gave us such a holiday. Thank you, God, for Christmas. Thank you, God, for being the counselor who speaks into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I love that line, come and behold him, the one and the only. There is no other hope to offer in this season. You can put on the perfect Christmas, everything go great, and miss the point of it all. So I invite you, to take some time in your life, starting now, to come and behold the one and the only. The God who did not see eternity without you as something worth living, so he chose to give himself to have you there. The one and the only, the God who loves you, the God who calls you by his name and gives you everything you need in order that your life may declare that truth, that you are loved that you are given eternal life, and that you are redeemed. That is your message to convey, and you cannot do it by your own instincts, wit, and wisdom. You can only do it if you are someone who lives in relationship with a wonderful counselor, who speaks words of hope and truth and never seems to miss. Never seems to miss the mark when the Spirit of God speaks. It just lands in a sweet spot. So I encourage you, As you leave today, make sure you take devotions. Get in those devotions. Spend time in the word of God, praying and seeking God, asking him how the wonderful counselor can speak clearly and powerfully out of your life. Because I I promise you this, he's speaking. Will you listen? Will you listen as you go from this place, as you tune your ear towards him? May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. My friends, it is time for the church to leave the building. You are dismissed. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you're looking for a way to prepare yourself for next week's, you can visit us at foundrychurch.net and find our weekly devotions. Being in God's word every day is part of what we call our weekly rhythm here at the Foundry. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again next week.